Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. I'm going to have to bring the jingle down for a second, Zara. So we haven't even started yet. Yeah, no, we're doing something very different today. I need to play you something. You need to play me something. Yeah, we're not going with the usual shameless jingle today. Okay. <laughs> Are you some, ready? If you hired someone to do some fucked remix, is that what you did? Just listen. Who did you pay? In Indonesia. <laughs> Who? I paid ninety dollars to a guy. How much? Ninety dollars. Ninety dollars. I think worth every single. Is piece. someone playing the guitar as well? Also, come on, come up with some new lyrics. Okay, it was going to cost me a hundred and twenty if I wanted him to have an extra line. So I kind of wanted. Did him you to... batter him down? Uh, no, he had a few options. Oh my <laughs> the first one was like just standard no vocals, and I did that first, and I was like, no fuck, what am I doing? I need Zara's beach hero did, in there. Did someone offer this to you? No, that's even worse. You know Fiverr. I went on Fiverr and I paid for your new... And I tell you what, this is because for those unaware, if you're listening to Shameless for the first time, congratulations, you've stumbled upon a great episode to begin with. I don't want to have a jingle that Miller's and Bio Oil that USA is not our jingle. and McDonald's that's not all a- have. <laughs> I don't want a jingle. If, if this is it, we're going with that fucking jingle for the end of the year. This, this is the most upsetting thing I think has ever happened to me in my whole life because... The beach hero thing's not even fucking funny. It's the most lame inside joke that accidentally came out of my mouth. That's not funny. It's not witty. You were laughing a lot for someone who doesn't find it funny. I went to the beach the other day and put up a photo and my entire DMs blow up. Okay, wait wait, one second before we go into the actual show. You can't say that it's not funny when you went to the beach, took a selfie and played into the personal joke on your Instagram. I didn't play into the personal joke. All I did was put a very coy timestamp, which was 625. I, the joke, I, I make, the thing that shits me is I make funnier jokes than this. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is, is if you want to find a new jingle to get us to the end of the year, I refuse. We can use it like under segments and all that type of stuff. I refuse to use that jingle to open another episode of Shameless in 2019. You find the next jingle or we're running with that. That's blackmail. No, I don't care. That's not, actually illegal. I'm not going to sit down and do an episode with you. You can get Annabelle to do it with you. I'm not going to do it. Find a new jingle. Okay, while I stew on all of this, the blackmail, the bribes, the threat, let's get into the show. <laughs> I'm just going to get us into the show. 
Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hi. (laughs) Fuck you. Coming up on today's show, Chappelle Corby releases a book, but where is that money going? Plus, just a couple of bandwagoners waxing lyrical about Shawn Mendes and the Chris Teigen and John Legend profile that piqued our interest this week. Sorry, I got distracted and started thinking about us playing that jingle for the rest of the year. We're not using it for the rest of the year, but Michelle, how was your week? It was a great week. Even better now. We, and I hate clickbaiting people, but fuck it, I'm going to clickbait you all. We finally finished the big secret project we've been working on and it's one of those unusual moments when you're gearing up for the big finale, which was submitting this project, doing so and then falling into an absolute heap. Like it's just so unusual the way the adrenaline then drops off and you feel like you are completely lifeless inside. But I'm back. I'm ready. I'm here. I ate salmon this morning because I heard that's a good brain food. Well, I had orange juice because we've been so (laughs) delirious for the last few days because we just haven't been sleeping. We've been trying to do this thing. And I had orange juice today and I reckon the orange juice woke me up more than a coffee ever has. But also placebo. Scintillating food chat on (laughs) Shameless. I do want to recommend something. Last week I got very distracted by by the reference that I was like Joey Tribbiani from Friends that I completely forgot to recommend anything. What I was going to recommend last week is so good that I'm going to redo it this week. It's a Spotify playlist, Zara, that was made for us by Bridget Hustwaite from Triple J. Yeah, look, it's not every day that Bridget Hustwaite tells you what music to listen to, although actually it is every day (laughs) because that's her job. amazing start. It's not every day that she tells shameless listeners in particular Let what to Let me rephrase. It's not every day that Bridget Hustwaite decides what shameless listeners most suit when it comes to music. And boy, did she nail it. I mean, She nailed it. We have had that playlist on repeat. I'm so sorry to Taylor Swift Red fans, but Red's been bumped for the last week. Yeah, I know. I don't regret it though, because I've found, I don't like the word bangers, but there's no other word for it. <laughs> I've found a few bangers on this playlist. And Smash the playlist hits. has like almost 2,000 followers on Spotify, so it's getting its own little... It's good, and it's also cool music for people like <laughs> Michelle and I who aren't into cool music. I feel... More on that soon. I get such a little kick out of sort of leaving leaving my phone on the train lit up with the songs that I'm listening to because it makes me look far cooler than I am or having my headphones on so loud that people can hear because I'm just being obnoxious. Absolutely. I mean, it's so great that we're not listening to All Too Well on Red for once. <laughs> it's a really nice welcome less change. depressing. What about you? How was your week? It was a great week. We are actually busy planning our live shows for Brisbane and Sydney and we are so excited to formally announce our live show partners for November, which are ANZ, who are helping young Australians boost their financial wellbeing and the body shop helping busy women relax and unwind since 1976. Mish, we're so excited not just to have ANZ and the body shop on board to help us put these live shows together, but to actually come to Sydney and Brisbane at the end of this month and finally visit you guys. I can't wait. I was thinking about this earlier in the week. I wonder if I'll be less nervous for these because family and friends aren't there. I prefer to perform to a room of people who I might not know personally than those who I actually know. So I'm so pumped for Sydney and Brisbane. Well, the first live show we ever did, my entire family were in like the third row, just staring at me the whole time being like, so is this a job now? And I just remember being so affronted by their, like, death stares. Anywho, we are so excited. If you've got, I don't even know, suggestions on what you might want us to talk about or anything oh, like yeah, that. that's a good idea. Come and message us on Instagram because we're still planning the show. So, so, so open to ideas. Speaking of shows, though, shall we get into this one? Let's get into this one because Zara, this week, Chappelle Corby, bless her soul, 
re-released her memoir. So this memoir was actually originally published about a decade ago when Chappelle Corby was still in Bali. She is now promoting the updated version now that she's back living in Australia. The memoir is called My Story and it's written in collaboration with Catherine Benella. It has stirred a little bit of controversy though because back when she first released the memoir it wasn't quite clear where the money was going and that has definitely not changed now. I agree so Chappelle started to go on her press and book tour for this book and I think the first thing that I can think of is like the celebrity aspect of this crime is really interesting to me. She's got to be the most famous criminal in the country and I do understand it a little more in the sense that Her story happened so long ago and it's been such a prolonged story that it's Mm. almost inescapable that she'd become her own celebrity. But when it comes to this book, the most interesting part, you're right, is A, where is the money going? And B, she doesn't seem that well when she's doing all of these interviews, which is quite a harrowing thing to look. I know she did an interview with Carl and Jackie O and Studio 10 and those interviews alone made headlines not because of the contents of the book per se, but because of how she was talking about it. Yeah, she looks like she is struggling. And again, it's hard to put that onto someone else because Chappelle might be okay. She didn't appear to be okay though. She was talking about her mental health though and how she had struggled a lot when she was in prison and I think reliving those experiences. She did say on Studio 10 it's really, really hard to relive footage of sentencing of her in prison. So I think we can say that she was affected by reliving those experiences for sure. Absolutely. If you're listening to this and you have no idea who Chappelle Corby is, she is of course 42 years old. She was first imprisoned in 2005 for attempting to smuggle 4.1 kilograms of cannabis into Bali. She was originally sentenced to 20 years in Kurokaban prison. That was then reduced down to nine years on good behavior and things like that. Where this story gets interesting is that when this book was originally released, it sold crazy, crazy numbers. I think it sold 100,000 copies, which in Australia, Zara, is massive. For it's a book. huge. Books don't really sell in Australia, <laughs> to be totally As a general honest. rule. As a general rule. Or they don't really sell at all because they're books. But that's on like barefoot investor scale, if that's yes. what we want to compare it to. This is insane. It made, I think for the Corby family, about $267,000. But the muddiness here comes from the fact that in Australia, you cannot profit from a crime. So it is illegal for Chappelle Corby to make money off a crime. It was never quite clear where the money was going and where the paper trail was from this book. But eventually, a Queensland court did find that the copyrights were assigned to Corby's sister, Mercedes. And it was believed at the time that potentially that meant that the money could flow back to Chappelle, which was, of course, a problem. The government ended up seizing $128,000 from that sale so that the Corby family couldn't access it. And now that she's re-released the book, of course, this debate is stirred up all over again. Of course. And it's not like people don't want to ask the question. When Chappelle Corby went on Studio 10 this week, she was asked by Kerri-Anne Kennelly and Joe Hildebrand, are you profiting off this book? And I think what I found most interesting about this is that there is no doubt that there would have been some very well-rehearsed, pre-prepared answer about where that money is going. But instead of being able to address that, she struggled. You're here because you have written your book Mm -hmm. and this is the updated version. Now, there is a law that says you cannot profit from crime. Are you making money? Well, it's not about money. It's about me finishing my story. Mm -hmm. It's about going back and being cathartic to myself and my supporters to let them know what really happened inside. But to get back to you, it's not about money. I know it's not about money, 
But where will Money's the profit? Good. Money's good, but where will the profit go? I'm not sure. Which is so unusual that she went on a national television show completely unprepped. And then she kept going. She said, why would you bring yourself to do something like this for? I don't know. All I know is I needed to finish this book. So the incoherence of that kind of response was quite troubling to me. And and Caroline Overington wrote a really brilliant piece in The Australian this week. I don't know if you read it, Mish. We certainly spoke about some of Caroline Overington's tweets this week because they were quite definitive about the fact that Chappelle Corby shouldn't be doing this book tour. Caroline Overington wrote in particular about her response to money. Mm. This tour cannot be in Corby's best interest. She was trembling and crying on set and it was not fake. It was a terrible thing to watch. Corby herself admitted she is not well. At times she was talking in a little girl's voice. Then she'd be smiling, then crying. She said she felt raw. She at one point grabbed Carrie Ann Kennelly's hand. Mm. How do you feel about watching somebody who clearly doesn't seem well prepped enough to do the press she's expected to do? Well, once I move past the... Uh, cynicism that comes with profits and where the money's going. I feel deeply concerned, that's for sure. I don't know who's looking out for Chappelle Corby and I think I now look back on commentary around her first coming back onto social media. I remember when she was released from prison, came back to Australia and got Instagram Zara and there was a mocking tone to how people discuss Chappelle Corby, particularly because I think she released a music single or she tried to push into pop songs and pop music. Those two things together were really interesting to me, how she sort of transcended crime into like this pop culture, like memified sphere. Mm -hmm. And I remember when she started that Instagram account and I remember sitting at home thinking it was funny. Mm. Like I remember it kind of getting caught up in all of the air around it because people were like, look how fast this is growing. This woman who's just left prison, who has no idea probably how Instagram actually functions or the minutia of it functions, now has this Instagram and it's going bananas and she's this human. Like there was a lot of mockery around that. And now I think with hindsight and especially watching her do this book tour, I do find it a little troubling. Yeah, well, we have really removed the criminal deviance aspect of what Chappelle Corby did. She was a convicted drug smuggler. And we've replaced it with this funny, jovial tone, which doesn't quite fit. Like if you watch, for example, Have You Been Paying Attention, one of my favourite shows ever, often they bring up jokes about Chappelle Corby's boogie board. And people talk about boogie boards all the time. I don't think you can really buy a boogie board in Australia without someone having a joke about Chappelle Corby. And it's just interesting to see that over the almost two decades that she's been in the public eye, how quickly we've removed that really criminal aspect from this and replaced it with a comical one. Thank you, next bitch. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we give you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity news cycle. Zara Ellis McDonald, (laughs) what are your stories for me today? First story on my list is probably my favourite story of the week. Jessica Mowboy interviews during (laughs) radio prank with Will and Woody. That is from news.com.au. Before we start, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play some audio of this prank and then explain exactly what happened after. Well, one very positive thing that's been happening with you, Jess, is that you're recently engaged, which is super exciting. And little fun fact, Jess. Yes. I'm actually a marriage celebrant. Oh, okay. Just want to put that one out there that um, you might want to... Well, you you obviously don't have to hire me, but... uh... Oh, well, sorry. I'm I'm just... um, I thought maybe your team would have told you that... Oh, God. Maybe not to ask that question because it's... Oh kind yeah, no, actually... yeah, no, that's fine. No, sorry, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't get told that, but that's fine. I'll yeah, sorry, and... it's so it's not happening. So sorry. oh gosh, yeah. Um, 
No, that's yeah. fine. Well, well, let's talk more about uh, Hilda then. Uh, yeah. New single, do you Selfish. Wanna, do you want a cup, glass of water or something? Um, yeah, I might. Um, I'm so sorry. Oh, Jess, I'm, Jess, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Sorry, Jess. That's fine. Are you all right? I'd love a water. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I didn't know either. Yes. Well, this, I'm sorry. We'll okay, yeah. Stuff, Go on then. What was that? So when Woody from Will and Woody was outside the studio and it was just Jess Malboy and Will in the studio, Will turns to her and says, hey, can you just pretend that your engagement's off because Woody's going to ask you about the wedding because he's a marriage celebrant. She puts on a fucking 10 out of 10 performance when he asks, like turns to her team, asks for water, starts physically shaking. He absolutely spirals. Like it's tough to watch, isn't it? I was going to say it's Oscars award worthy, but then I was like, Logies? I'm like, no, it's above the Logies. Definitely for sure. I don't know what award we could give Jess Malboy for this. It was impeccable. It was so, so strong. I mean, she does dabble in a bit of acting. She does, and she nailed it. This radio prank, we will put the link in the show notes. Please go watch the video because it is amazing. You know how so many radio pranks are cringeworthy and boring? This is funny. We were watching this in the office, and I was almost in tears. I was hacking myself. <laughs> also, I felt so bad for Woody as well because when it was all revealed that it, it was, was a so prank, sweet. he was like shaking. She went to hug him. She's like, oh, I feel so terrible. You're shaking right now because you feel so bad for asking me about what you thought was a broken relationship or broken engagement on air. Quite a cruel prank, but he came across as a really good guy in it. He did, didn't he? And I, it actually did make me wonder when I was listening to it. To what length would I be understanding if you ever pulled a prank like that on me for the sake of content? Like you would later be like that's a really funny video to share like we should do that but you'd also be really fucking annoyed how right? far can i push you how far can i push you this is not a one-way street I'm oh well just just for the future push as far as you like i'll tell you if you go too far i think that's the better there you go listeners it's on the record go as far as you like no literally do it i'll, I'll figure it out <laughs> i'll figure it out what's your second story <laughs> number two love island's india reynolds opens up about difficult ovi soko split that's from cosmopolitan the listeners will know for those who've been here for a while i did not put that story in there i did tell us i am still obsessed with love island uk even though it's not gracing my computer screen every day of the week i am obsessed with the storylines for those who are curious because i this is the things are love island uk seizes so many of our hearts during the year and then when it's not airing all this drama happens behind the scenes and i'm still as invested for those wondering india and ovi have split supposedly because of cheating rumors so Am I right in thinking that Ovi was the one we spoke about on the podcast before because he was like the best guy to have ever gone on reality TV? Yeah, he is God's gift, literally. And who cheated? Well, apparently they both did. Apparently she cheated with an (laughs) ex-athlete. She cheated with an ex-athlete and he cheated with like an influencer who's really famous. Apparently, supposedly, allegedly. Isn't this interesting that two former reality stars probably clutching for relevance are now accusing each other of cheating with other famous people? I know, I'm stunned. What's your third story? Number three. Oh, she's moving me along. (laughs) Oh my God, Netflix just announced a Princess Switch sequel with a third Vanessa Hudgens. That is from Pedestrian. This is your story as well, Michelle. You absolutely need to watch this. I couldn't believe when I turned to you this week and said, oh my God, a Princess Switch sequel is coming. And you looked at me with this dumbfounded expression on your face and went, what? I've never seen it. Oh my, okay. It sounds right up my alley. Princess Switch on Netflix is the worst, oh no, what, what do I want to say? It's the best worst movie to watch at Christmas time. It is deplorable. Almost really difficult to get through. But if you watch it with a girlfriend 
I don't know if your boyfriend will enjoy it. Probably a girlfriend. I'll come over and watch it with you. It's one of those things. We don't hang out after hours. <laughs> it's one of those things where you turn Kidding. to each other and you just are like, what the fuck? Like who decided to make this a film? Why is Vanessa Hudgens in it? But that always gets me. As someone like Vanessa Hudgens acts in this film, is she thinking to herself, this is an abomination, but I'm getting paid a bomb, so I'm going to do it? She also puts on a British accent, and it's so, Zara, so, so bad. Like, I'm pretty sure in some parts, she's supposed to be playing, like, you know, like Lindsay Lohan split, two twins, one ah. actor. She's kind of like forgets to use her British accent and then uses the American one and it is just deplorable, embarrassing acting. I'll watch it though. Was that really harsh on Vanessa Hudgens? Not at all. She's, she's the one that's walking away with the laugh. So she's making, she'd be making so much money from this Netflix movie. Absolutely. Number four, Kim Kardashian won Halloween this year with her Elle Woods from Legally Blonde costume. That is from BuzzFeed. Before we go into this story, I want to put something to record, and that is I reckon my least favourite brand of headline is when people win things. Michelle Andrews won Christmas with her Santa costume. No, no. Our least favourite, and I'll say our because you've spoken to me about this before, <laughs> our least favourite brand of headline is like, I don't know, pick some celebrity out of nowhere. Kim Kardashian. Claps back. Kim Kardashian claps back at Troll and proves that love you can't even get it. No, but it's like when they <laughs> when they act like this celebrity's Instagram caption won the internet, won the internet, See, or that's, reminded us that's exactly what I just no, said. No, no, no. You know what it is? It's like Kim Kardashian's Instagram caption reminds us that love exists. It's like yeah, because I forgot love existed <laughs> before Kim Kardashian posted about Kanye. That or. X and Y broke up and love is dead. Like, love's not dead. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> like, sorry if you I'm guys are still in love. <laughs> sorry if you guys are sad, but I'm fine. <laughs> Tell me about this story. So Kim Kardashian obviously dressed up as Elle Woods from Legally Blonde on Instagram. It's such a moment for celebrities, isn't it, when they choose who they're dressing up for in Halloween. And it has sort of extended beyond that US bubble. I feel like Halloween has seeped into Australia more than ever this year. Do you agree? Yes. She had an entire production team. So totally. This wasn't just a photo this was Kim Kardashian recreating that very famous Harvard Law application that Elle Woods did in Legally Blonde, of course, played by Reese Witherspoon. And it was, it would have been something that took a full day, more than that, to piece together, to edit, to have all the costumes right. It is such a moment for celebrities. And I'm going to say that Kim Kardashian nailed it. Did also, she win the internet? She didn't win the internet, but she did well in this. I feel comfortable using legal jargon in everyday life. I object. I have to say the thing I thought of when I saw this story on this Instagram is Kylie Jenner jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, what okay, th- okay. This is so bad. What date is Halloween? 31st of October, last day of October. Right. Why were all these celebrities posting Halloween costumes Early? for a full week? So I reckon this is really me shooting from the hip, which is quite dangerous, but Kylie Jenner, for those who missed it, and we put it on our Instagram account, you should be able to go and find it on there, dressed Stormy up in the exact outfit that she wore to the Met Gala. And it's, like, pretty funny, but it didn't capture the internet in the way that I think... Capture the internet. Yeah. You've just gone against your own headline. I feel like the listeners know I'm a hypocrite by now. It captured our Instagram. Lots of people liked that photo. Maybe we're wrong. Well, it it wasn't. It didn't go as viral. (laughs) And I hate that word too. Didn't go as viral as I think she probably would have liked. And I reckon she planted it early so it wasn't sort of uh, swallowed by the wealth of other celebrity Halloween costumes that were out there. But it still just didn't really – it just didn't land, I don't think, how she wanted it to. Do you reckon she found out about her sister's plans? And we're like, fuck. 100%. 
Anyway, number five, bring him back. Bachelorette fans beg for Kieran Stott to be the next Bachelor after his emotional walkout. As he admits it was a mistake leaving the mansion early. That is from the Daily Mail. Wow, people love Kieran. And I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying I am surprised with the outpouring of grief when he walked off Angie Kent's season of The Bachelorette. I think there is something in that idea that a grown man would be so willing to cry over a grandparent. And I know that everyone's like, well, I love my grandparents and that's wonderful. But I think there is a really beautiful relationship between grandparent and grandchild, particularly as an adult. And I think that would have tugged at a lot of heartstrings. I also think that there was this strange, and I think that the same page that we're on, was this strange glorification of a character that I understood, but I didn't understand to the extent of everybody else. Like I thought he was a wonderful guy, but he was godlike, wasn't he? Yeah, people are putting him on the level of like a deity at the moment, which is fine. He was non-offensive. He was so funny. He was very much himself. And I think there's definitely a trend of men embracing their feminine side and men not feeling like they always need to play into masculinity that we find really refreshing. I think because Kieran is so unashamedly unique, we all bought into it and we all love a funny guy. What I do want to say, though, is producers should never fucking listen to the audience when it comes to picking a bachelor because they did pick Richie Strawn. Interesting decision. Don't listen to the viewers. That's all I'll say. I'll happy to see him on Bachelor in Paradise, which, as I understand, might be filmed very, very soon. But other than that, I don't know. Would you go for him? Is he your type? No. No? Yours? Oh, probably not. But I do think there is a particular kind of friend. Like I could see him with Angie Kent. I was a little bit upset when I watched it. And when I saw how emotional they were saying goodbye to each other, in my gut, I was thinking he was supposed to be the one that she was going to pick. No, because if he was the one, he would have found a way to be there and she would have found a way to keep him there. Like He did say he regretted it. Yeah, I do think that if he wanted to be there and if he was with Angie and he was like, she is the one, like when you know, you know, he would have found a way to come back. Yeah, I guess so. I'm a little bit disappointed. I would love a narrative where he's gone, she's picked the wrong guy and broken up with him in the interim between filming and the show airing. And imagine if they're together. I want one of those storylines back. I know somebody's heart needs to be broken (laughs) in the process, but somebody's heart gets broken anyway on the show. I hope it's not a Stu Laundy, Sophie Monk situation where Angie Kent comes out with a guy and has to do press with him for about three months and then they quietly separate. I would love for her to end up with Kieran at the end of this. That would just be the piece de resistance, which I'm not going to ever say again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to remix that. Hey, that's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much. Coming up after the break, Sean Mendes and the complexities of Hollywood fomances. Then a look at why Chrissy Teigen is tentative about her fame. But first, Mish, a word from today's sponsor. Last week, Michelle and I found ourselves at the centre of teen girl fandom. Yes, we went to a Sean Mendes concert and we were very happy about it. It was great. He was great. The music was great. But the entire time, we found ourselves trying to Google him, which sucked because we didn't have very good reception. Who actually is this guy? Why are people falling over themselves at him? And what does it take in 2019 to be the most in-demand male pop star in the world? Mish, tell me about your perceptions of Sean Mendes before we went to this concert. Look, I knew that he had, as I said, some bangers. I need to put something on the record, actually. I'm going to interrupt you before we jump into this because this is a self-preservation tactic, you oh, know, control no. the damage. When we walked out... <laughs> you can't tell this story. I was going to tell That's this why story. I'm controlling the damage. When we walked out <laughs> of the concert, I may or may not have said, Sean Mendes has a lot of smash hits. <laughs> <laughs> and- 
It might not have been the coolest thing I've ever said, but I'm just going to put it on the record and put my hand up and say it wasn't the best thing I've ever said. I'll try better next time. You ruined my like explosive reveal that you, you are, go. in fact, a 50-year-old mother of four. <laughs> Everybody knows that already. Who says smash hits? Get on with the Sean Mendes perception. Anyway, I knew that he was a big deal. We play Lost in Japan quite a bit. We always have the same conversations, Zara, that you think it's an absolute smash hit. And I think... <laughs> And I think it's great, but a touch too repetitive. I often think that of Shawn Mendes' songs. But I did not know much about him. I always hear him on the radio, of course. Other than that, not much. What I have found out in the days since is that he is, of course, 21. He's Canadian and he rose to fame after putting up videos on Vine. Remember Vine? I remember Vine. I miss Vine. You were never on Vine. I can see it all across your face. (laughs) No, Vine. He's kind of like... A G-rated Justin Bieber. So G-rated. Like if there was something more G-rated than G-rated, he'd be that, which yes. is not very articulate, Michelle. A really terrible way to describe things. I was so intrigued when we were there about the intensity of the female fandom. Yes. And it's certainly not the first time I've been exposed to female fandom. I have been one of them. In fact, it brought me back to so many memories of being at concerts and being like the worst person in the room. Yeah, I was looking around at some of the girls who were dancing and kind of nudged you being like, how hilarious is this to look back at what we were like five, six years ago. And you turned to me and said, I was the most most annoying person at concerts. I was so annoying when I was 13 and went to Kings of Leon that, <laughs> by the way, that was the coolest Your thing I've ever done. Your sex is on fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, so inappropriate for a 13-year-old. It was like the coolest band to be into and then we got tickets and I spent literally all of my money and I knew two songs, <laughs> which is obviously Sex on Fire and that's oh, it. No. <laughs> be somebody. And we were in the back, back, back row because we couldn't afford anything else. And I remember two rows in front of us of everybody turning around and telling us to shut the fuck up. Now, yeah. it must take something remarkable to be told to shut up at a concert. It must also be remarkable for someone's ego. I was thinking this when we were watching Sean. We're on a first name basis, of course. Standing on a stage and having tens of thousands of a adoring, screaming, excitable girls who are in love with you. Like, like I cannot imagine. Yeah, what would that do to someone's ego, particularly at 21? You'd have to consider them faceless. Yeah. Like you couldn't look at them all individually and you'd have to see them all as numbers, not as humans. Because if you did, I, I know we spoke about this when he was on stage, to do that night after night after night after night to know that for a year you're doing sellout shows across the world, it would really, really fuck you up. I think one of the, my favourite quotes, just to paint a bit of a picture of about Sean before we actually delve a little bit more into the complexity of him and his fame is that there was this really um, interesting Rolling Stone profile that was released on him at this time last year and it starts very innocently and earnestly with quotes from Sean and one of my favourite ones was I said fuck on stage the other day that was a big day I immediately felt bad about it (laughs) (laughs) imagine him being on a typical shameless podcast the next one I love weed he said with a big grin. I wouldn't tweet that, not yet at least, but it's really good for me. When I'm home, I'll smoke and then play guitar for seven hours. And then the writer said he also saw shrooms for sale in Amsterdam but opted not to try them. I want them so badly. I think it would help me a lot. It's so quaint. He's so sweet. But he is, this is the thing, it's almost like he's a child in a very adult world and he is succeeding beyond almost anyone else in the music industry. He is on his sold-out tour, as you said, Zara, with more than 90 sold-out stadiums. He has three albums that have hit number one, and somehow he is coasted under our radar because I think he is seizing the attention of women under the age of 20. 
What interests me about fandom is that you can have droves of people under the age of 20 who are fascinated and obsessed with you and yet anyone above that age you're almost completely irrelevant like I know his name but he's completely skimmed under my radar well I would be interested to see if he walked past us on the street a week ago if we would have noticed who he was no and I sing all of his songs like this is not to say I'm not a bandwagoner like I love nothing more than a top 40 playlist on Spotify (laughs) that's why I need a Bridget Hustwaite but I wouldn't have known what he looked like I think the most interesting story to come out of that Rolling Stone piece upon reflection is this idea that we've got this really famous, intensely famous teenage male pop star who, who's not teenage anymore, actually, but you still feel like it's... He almost comes across that way. Doesn't he? Who demands the love and adoration of millions of young girls across the country and he's dogged by rumours of been being gay. Yes. And I find this conversation so interesting, not because I think it matters by any stretch, because I think the commentary around it and his response to it says a lot. Yeah, this was so unusual because one of the only things I knew about Shawn Mendes before going to his concert was that there were rumours that he is gay. And that's such an unusual thing to grapple with in this day and age. That there are rumours rather than just being open, like either he is or he isn't and then it's put to bed even the discussion to be honest before we get really deeply into it the reductive aspect that people are discussing is he gay or is he straight like there's no room in the middle and that it's a box that you have to tick like no one that I've seen in these articles or the tweets or his responses have questioned that maybe he's interested in both sexes both genders it's quite reductive and it feels like we're back like 20 years ago like it doesn't feel like we're in 2019 where particularly our conversations around pop stars in general are quite progressive like we do talk about their sexuality on a scale and we do talk about sexuality as fluid a because it is and b because there's quite a few who want to talk about it publicly Mm -hmm. you've got your miley cyrus's your sam smith's like this is not a conversation that is outside the industry it's very much embedded in it Mm -hmm. A couple of quotes in this story really, really stood out to us as painting a very interesting picture about Sean Mendes. He said, In the back of my heart, I feel like I need to be seen with someone, like a girl in public, to prove to people that I'm not gay. Even though in my heart I know that it's not a bad thing, there's still a piece of me that thinks that and I hate that side of me. Yeah. It seems like the thread that ties Sean Mendes' time and the public eye together is this gay rumour and his propensity to really push back hard on it. He said in this interview that he's so haunted by these rumours, he is so haunted by these pieces that he can't stop looking for them and reading them at every single turn. One quote that really fucking broke my heart was when Rolling Stone writer Patrick Doyle commented, Mendes often finds himself watching his own interviews, analysing his voice and his body language. He'll see an anonymous stranger comment on the way he crossed his legs once and try never to do it again. He pulls out his phone to show me his Twitter account. His name is the only recent search. I know that there's so many great things that come along with fame. Like he will be set financially for life if he isn't a complete idiot with money. (laughs) He has probably a really brilliant, interesting, amazing existence. But the fact that this rumour is following around this 21-year-old boy so intensely is upsetting. Like I feel really sorry for him. Yeah, because it paints this picture of someone that is, as you say, very, very haunted. It reminds me of a quote that he said in The Guardian in another interview when he talked about consistently reading stuff about himself on social media. And the journalist said, do you have to read everything about yourself? And he said, no, but there's something about being human that makes you. I'm scared of social media and how much it affects me. It's literally become infused with who I am. You hear quotes like that and then you think about them in the backdrop of him jumping on Snapchat 
last mm. year after reading comments about himself online, like choking back tears saying, I noticed a lot of people were saying I gave them a gay vibe. Um, he said, first of all, I'm not gay. Second of all, it shouldn't make a difference if I was or wasn't. I, I can't see a world where at least for the next four to five years where Sean Mendes gives an interview, he's not A, asked a question about it, and if it's not a direct question, it's a, it's a question about the commentary around it. Yeah. Or B, it's not just mentioned in there as a by the by. And it makes me question, and I did ask you in when we were at the concert, would it feasibly matter to his marketing campaign if he was? If he was bisexual, probably not. But I think in a really pragmatic way, and I don't like saying this, I think it's just my honest opinion. If Shawn Mendes came out and said, I am gay, yes, it would affect his success. If you look at that stadium of people, 95% of them were young girls and the only boys I saw there were probably boyfriends or dads. And yeah, young girls can like musicians for the music, but if you heard the commentary and the tone around it, it was all, I'm in love with this man. I wish this man was my boyfriend. He's the ideal, the ideal guy. And if Shawn Mendes comes out and says, I'm gay, I think it does erode that connection. Well, and that's what I want to really make clear here is I don't think it has anything to do with progression. I really don't. I think it has everything just to do with marketing about the love story that wraps Shawn Mendes and his fans. Mm. Like when you're a young girl, and I say this having been one of them, who goes to these concerts, you absolutely imagine being with that person. Like you're obsessed with them. You want to marry them. You want to date them. That's part of the allure. That's most of the allure. The, The music is one part, but I think that's secondary to this idea that he's the one that I want to end up with or I'm so attracted to the celebrity of him and I think if you do erode that away if that does change I think it changes the entire story and connection and relationship between him and his fans it's quite sobering as well to hear that he is trying to train himself out of mannerisms that come across as feminine because it's unusual that we're even conflating female uh, mannerisms and female movements like crossing your legs with being gay. It's so strange in 2019 that this is a story, that this is a story that dogs him. And I wonder if in order to be the most famous or in-demand or up-and-coming pop star in the world, your image needs to be so meticulously controlled that people can sense that and they're trying to break it down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't think of anything else apart from the fact that they're trying to box him in and because his team are trying to box him into something, the rest of us are trying to unpack it. And when we do unpack it, we're not doing it in a smart or helpful or productive way. We're doing it in a way that's just as reductive as his teams. Yeah. And I think this is exactly where the fomance with Camila Cabello has come about. For those unaware, Camila Cabello, 22-year-old singer, she released a single with Shawn Mendes only a few months ago. It's called Senorita. I'm sure you guys have heard it. It's been everywhere. Shortly after that single came out, all of these photos of Camilla and Sean kissing, holding hands, making out, cuddling in public were released. That caused basically everyone on Twitter and a lot of his fandom to turn around and go, this is a fake relationship. Why are you being so public with it? Most celebrities are quite secretive. And the second you kind of see, you know, clear paparazzi shots at a club or clear paparazzi shots at the beach, you tend to smell a rat. I think the fomance aspect of this and all of the rumours that Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello are not actually a couple do boil down to a very 
unintelligent side of ourselves. There was a great piece in The Independent by Adam White. Did you read this? I did. It was really brilliant. There was a couple of lines in there that I thought were quite biting. Yes. One of them was, Fomance rumors speak to our inherent eagerness to be somehow smarter than everyone else in the room. We all like to think we're body language experts, and we certainly like to be the first person to spot something is amiss. Insisting two rich and beautiful people of faking their own relationship is also oddly satisfying, like a little bit of confirmation that we're not quite as much an embarrassing situation as they are. This is where I feel conflicted, right? Because as much as I agree with that amazing quote and the amazing story by Adam White in The Independent, and as much as I do think that fomance rumors can speak to a really nasty, vindictive side of ourselves, they could also be true. Like, it could be true that Sean Mendes and Camila Cabello are in a publicity stunt and that they're not actually in love. Well, that's exactly right. And I am in a couple of minds about this. I really did love that line. It's a bit of confirmation that we're not in quite as much an embarrassing situation as they are. And on the one hand, right, I'm thinking, are celebrities forced into PR stunts? For example, is a gay celebrity forced into a PR relationship because we're not accepting enough to accept him or her as gay, right? Mm. Does that speak to us? Like, is that on us? Or is that just a wildly simplistic way to look at it? And does that just excuse all PR stunts as something that's trying to protect the person rather than sort of sell music yeah sell music or make money yeah I think the timing of this the fact that these two have known each other for years they release a single and all of a sudden they're all over the media with paparazzi shots the timing is curious I don't know if it's damning enough to say that it's definitely a publicity stunt I just think it's something to raise an eyebrow at all of this said I do feel sorry for him. Absolutely. Because I think if you go back and read interviews with him and profiles on Sean Mendes he seems to be a guy who's struggling to be honest he seems to be a guy who isn't very happy and I think we see that a lot with child stars he rose to fame so young and if anything the last seven years have only brought about a lot of sadness he seems to be a deeply sad person and I do wonder what the future of not only his relationship with Camila Cabello holds but his relationship with his fans and how open he is about this side of his life and and how simplistic we're going to continue to be when we discuss sexuality yeah well I did want to finish with a quote from him because I think one of Shawn Mendes big rules is that he'll never say no to a selfie with a fan and there's a piece in this Rolling Stone story that we both spoke about after we read it that we found really, really, really sad. And the piece is all about how he's just arrived in a new city and has just approached a whole bunch of new fans. Is everybody here gorgeous, he said? Did I stumble upon the most beautiful country in the world or something? They all have these beautiful eyes. He puts his earbuds in and closes his eyes as we drive past gothic stone buildings. It's pretty dope here, he says, then goes quiet for a while. I don't know, man, he mumbles as we approach the hotel. I feel fucking weird. Rise and shine. All right, guys, we are ending today's episode with, well, a pretty sugary look at one of the world's most loved power couples, and I gag when I say that term, so I'm sorry, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. This week, they were the feature story in Vanity Fair, with writer Karen Velby commenting they are the first couple we all deserve. What took us by surprise, though, Zara, is how deeply Chrissy Teigen in particular has grown to fear the very fame she's accrued over the last decade. What did you make of her anxiety about becoming increasingly famous when she's arguably one of the most famous women in the world. Very intriguing. Very, very intriguing. So for those who haven't read the profile, one of the quotes that Mish and I have spent the last few days ruminating on is this one. It was about how she was asked to host a high-profile nighttime talk show. 
and she turned it down. She said, it was just too much attention and focus on me. It's almost like the more things you do, the closer you are to getting cancelled. It's so scary to me to have the world turn on you and hate you. I think this is surprising because Mm. she is also openly a woman who says, I love attention. Like I love cultivating attention. I love eyes on me. I love people fawning over me. And she's very, very open about that. I think it's incredibly indicative of the time that we live in and how sad it is that people get so worried and so fearful about being seen too big for your boots or too everywhere, too oversaturated. And we do, even though tall poppy syndrome is very Australian, I do think cancel culture is kind of America's version of that. Absolutely. I also think it's a matter of Chrissy Teigen doesn't want to say too much. It's a fear that if I say too much and if I have too much space in front of the public, then I'm bound to screw up somehow, which is a really interesting shift. I don't think we've seen that before the last few years have unfolded. She does also address the fact that she is anxious but still has an ego. And she said, I feel like opportunities will come back to me when I'm more ready and more stable. It is a little bit sad, like you said, that she turned down this job. I think it would be great to have a woman host a really high-profile nighttime talk show like Jimmy Fallon, like Jimmy Kimmel, and demand that space, like James Corden even. We don't have many. We have some, but we don't have many really powerful, well-liked women in those positions, and I would love to have someone like Chrissy Teigen there. But by design of the backlash culture we live in, she feels like she can't. What I did also appreciate, though, is that John Legend, her husband, a musician, of course, countered that by saying, well, cancel culture doesn't really exist at all. We come down hard on people when they say bad things, but we generally give them the space to then rise back up again quite quickly. I thought that was a really interesting quote because I think what people are getting confused about with cancel culture is the literal nature of the word cancel. And everyone's like, well, it doesn't exist. What even is cancel culture if you can't physically cancel someone? And I really don't think that's the point. I think cancel culture is call-out culture. Like I think we've conflated the two terms and Mm. they are exactly the same thing. And I think cancel culture, just this idea that you could do one thing and people deem you irrelevant forever, whether or not that actually... Um, eventuates is almost irrelevant to me. It's this idea that you can be jumped on and stood on and hated very furiously for a fleeting moment in time. And I think that's what it is. And I think that's what people are scared of. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I wanted to say, though, I I don't know if I'm just projecting or psychoanalyzing, but is she scared of fame or is she scared of female fame? Like Mm. the fact that John Legend came back and said, what are you even talking about? It's not a problem, says a lot to me. Like there are not many women, if at all, who have hosted a nighttime television show in America. No one has come before her. We don't like generally funny women. We find them annoying. Like, of course, she's going to be terrified about that. I don't think she's scared of fame. I think she's scared of being the first woman. Yeah, I think there's also a tendency. I mean, I've never met Chrissy Teigen, of course, but (laughs) in our time in the media in this year in particular, I feel like we have come across some high profile Australian celebrities. And one thread that has really stood out to me across all of the women that we have met is that they all feel like they need to walk a tightrope in that they want to be out there, they want to be seen, they want to be doing things publicly, but they are so scared of oversaturation and they feel like if they're out there too much, they're going to start annoying people, which I think is such an interesting dynamic that, that women consider opportunities not based on how good this will be for my career or my bank account or my family or whatever. My short-term happiness. Yeah, it's based on a level of will I annoy people? Am I annoying yet? And I do think that is slightly gendered. I think it's completely gendered. And like I said, I think it's pretty telling that someone like John Legend, as much as you want to be the supportive partner who says you can do anything, you can do anything. I think he wouldn't understand the complexities of probably where that fear is coming from. 
I know we've spoken a lot on the podcast before about Chrissy Teigen and being branded as the kind of cool girl. Mm. And the cool girl, I think, that idea from Gillian Flynn's book Gone Girl, where she painted this beautiful picture of a cool girl who eats fuckloads of food and goes to sport and... Loves blowjobs. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Like the cool girl who doesn't say much. And in 2014, the cut ran a piece titled Chrissy Teigen is the Queen of the Cool Girls. And for me, it's interesting to look back on that article from five years ago because you can see that Chrissy Teigen has probably survived in the public eye because she's pivoted from being a cool girl. Mm. I think cool girls have such a short lifespan in our kind of adoration like Jennifer Lawrence for example we love cool girls but then they have a fast rise and a fast fall like we find them annoying it's zeitgeisty at the moment to find cool girls annoying exactly and I think she survived because she's pivoted I don't think she's a cool girl anymore I think she's way too political for, mm. for that I think by virtue of pissing people off and having opinions tweeting against Donald Trump and actually making enemies she's less at risk of failing or falling yeah I wonder if being so political has affected her bottom line whatsoever I'd be really intrigued to know if Chrissy Teigen so intently focusing on US politics and so doggedly going after the president. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I applaud her (laughs) for everything she tweets out. But I do wonder if that has affected her commercially and perhaps it's done the opposite. I mean, he's such a divisive president that if anything, maybe she's found a more dedicated legion of fans. Well, I think it probably has done both things. I think there would definitely be some brands that would think she's too rogue and too unpredictable and therefore they could find a safer place to put their money. But I also think a whole lot of brands and people have gravitated to her because she's been so no bullshit about articulating what she believes in. Well, what I really love as well about Chrissy Teigen is that she actually doesn't depend too heavily on outside brands to push her up. She has cookbooks, she does TV shows, she tends to build up her own businesses and I think that's such a clever way to monetize on internet fame in that you're not relying on what other people think of you. You're just relying on the people who love you and who will go out and buy your book and go out and support your business and watch your TV show. You don't need to rely on brands who just want to play it safe and only spend their money on quite vanilla influences. But then again, I think maybe that's why she's so scared of failing or Mm. scared of cancel culture because her brand is her entire life. Yes. I did want to ask you, do you think that John Legend and Chrissy Teigen are setting themselves up for this inevitable fall by painting such a rosy and perfect picture of their marriage and home life? Like if you did have a perfect relationship, would you not want to protect that at all costs and not bring the pressure of the world into it? Or do they just... They just think that they can withstand the pressure that's going to come with these lofty expectations. I am not fully married to my idea on this yet, but I think my gut tells me that they should be allowed to be public about their happy relationship. And I think it's actually difficult for some of us to stomach. This might even tie back to what we said about Shawn Mendes a little bit in that we kind of struggle with people who are blissfully happy and have blissfully happy lives and they are few and far between. I think lots of us have lives where they're messy and chaotic and not everything's perfect. A lot of it's good but not everything's perfect. What's to say that Chrissy Teigen and John Legend don't have a really fucking happy life that tends to just be a little bit blissful? I think they should be allowed to share that. They might be setting themselves up to fall. I mean, we've seen Jenna Dewan and Channing Tatum, we discussed them last week, that the fall can be a pretty yuck one. In this case, I don't know, maybe it's that again. Maybe we are setting them up to be the Hollywood super couple, but... I also think that if you are really that happy and if you are that in love and if your home life is that sunny, 
then why don't you share it? I, I think I agree with that. I really wholeheartedly agree because the thing that's curious about this profile is it doesn't feel concocted. The relationship doesn't feel concocted, nor does the sort of the spin around it. And I say this because of this one sentence that really stood out to me in this profile. Vanity Fair writer Karen Volby said, it is a rare thing to meet people who care about serious things but still manage not to take themselves too seriously, who accept the well-intentioned and messy totality of themselves enough to live a transparent life. The thing that gets me about this profile is very few celebrity profiles generally, I will argue, will want to write a completely glowing account of their subjects. Mm. Like I think these people go in there because they want to write about the complexity of people and how celebrities aren't as shiny as we think. And I do think that elements of that profile did that by painting their backstory. But I also think these two are painted in the most likable fashion ever. And that doesn't happen very often, which makes me wonder if they are just very, very likable lovely people. I would actually like to go back and read Karen Volby's celebrity profile pieces in particular because I would love to see if that's a thread that she tends to be more positive. I mean, writers will change, writer to writer, how you kind of convey the subject that you're profiling. Don't you think this was borderline sycophantic? Yeah, and I say that in the nicest possible way. Oh, it's beautiful writing, but it is glowingly positive. And maybe, again, maybe they're just that likeable and maybe they're just that amazing. Lots of people have great things to say about Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. And it's not as if they didn't say controversial things. Some of the stuff they did say about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West was skirting the line of controversy. Yeah, so they said that they didn't have much to do with them. They very much tried to remove themselves from that narrative, didn't they? Yes, yeah. And in the past, they had kind of been friends and spoken about how they'd gone to public events together. And all of a sudden, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend were basically saying, we're not friends with them. We don't agree with what they're doing and we don't want to be associated with them. Yeah, which I do find very interesting. Even still, that's a pretty likable opinion in in this day and age (laughs) to say I don't agree with what Kanye and Kim are doing. Especially Kanye. Exactly. Hey, I think that might be all we have time for today. I think it is. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and of course following us on socials as well. We love catching up with you guys during the week when we are not of course in your ear holes, which is disgusting now that it's come out of my mouth. Ear holes. Very disgusting. Doesn't that sound gross? We are on Instagram, of course, (laughs) at Shameless Podcast. We are on Facebook, Shameless Podcast Community, and we would absolutely love to have you there. I will try and get more Beach Hero content up this week. Oh, my God. This has happened once again. I've gone the entire episode and just gone on my merry way and forgotten how we started. Yeah. Beach Hero Zara. All right. I've got to go into planning mode. I will see you guys. I won't see you, but you'll you'll hear us on Thursday. Go put your cape on. And by cape, I mean your towel. I did get a DM <laughs> with someone saying, are you wearing your towel over your shoulders because not all Beach Heroes are the <laughs> Amazing. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. 
There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.